Ready to join the revolution in coverage of the associate game? You can become a patron of Emerging Cricket from as little as two US dollars a month. To sign up, log on to patreon.com slash emergingcricket. Today, we wrap the T20s between Namibia and Uganda, and we chat to EC Nepal correspondent Dipesh Pandit to preview the upcoming Tri-Series. Hello and welcome to another Emerging Cricket Podcast. I'm Daniel Bezwick and with me as always, I'm joined by Nick Skinner and Tim Cutler. Let's talk about some cricket that has gone on over the last week. Uganda travelling to Namibia for three T20 internationals. The one-dayers have also been run and done by the time you listen to this. We'll wrap that next week, but we'll quickly talk about the three T20 internationals. It was a 3-0 series victory for Namibia. I think we all expected that coming into the series. But, boys, I have to say, as good as Namibia were for the most part of the series, and, and I'll get your thoughts in a couple of moments, I actually felt you Uganda definitely had their moments in the series, particularly in games one and two. Looking at game one, they got off to a good start in the power play with the bat. They then got to two for 88, I think, in the 15th over and provided themselves at least a platform to produce a good total and a good target for Namibia to chase. They probably fell 20 runs short of that. Namibia chased it down relatively easily. And in game two, they had Namibia four for 34 in the eighth over. So they definitely had their moments. There was a couple of key individuals for that Ugandan team. We'll probably talk about that in a few moments moments but overall Namibia is showing their experience and depth across the board Nick in a 3-0 series win. Yeah I think I mean obviously Namibia were just too strong they just had too much quality and, and, and depth but like you said Uganda had a few opportunities they were a bit sloppy in the field you know they dropped uh, Erasmus twice during his half century which really cost them and I mean he you can't be dropping a guy like Erasmus he's just going to make you pay for it so if Uganda had taken that wicket, Namibia would have been in a spot of bother. And I mean, who knows? Maybe they would have still raced away. But I, I think that partnership with Erasmus and Dupree in the in the first match, you know, if Erasmus isn't there to guide them, you know, Dupree looked good. He looked solid. But without Erasmus to keep the run rate ticking over, I, I think they might have been in, in a bit of trouble. I was interested to see them experimenting around with the, the batting order. You know, they've, they had Williams, Craig Williams opening, um, and he did a really good job, smashed them around. But I don't quite understand why, you know, they've already got Stefan Bard and, uh, you know, JP Kotzer, Nico Davin, Lohan Lawrence, who, who didn't play at all. Um, so they've got a lot of options at the top. So it was interesting that they've, they're trying another opener. And I would also add that, you know, Williams has the technique to recover in innings and down the order, which we saw a few uh, semi-collapses from Namibia. And so I think having Williams down the order makes a bit more sense to me. But, you know, it's, it's good that they're experimenting with some different tactics. I think JP Kotsu was a bit disappointing looking at his his innings so far he he was just trying to slog sweep everything and you know when he connected it went a mile but I think you know just lay off the slog sweep a little bit and uh, you know you do have other shots um <laughs> which which he can play really really well so I don't know maybe maybe he's just you know got his first match in international cricket in over a year and he's just desperate to smash everything out of the park but that was one thing I noticed from him um, looking on the bowling side, I thought Shikongo was impressive. He, he had a few good spells up top. Uh, Lungameni looks a bit better than the last time I saw him play. He's added a bit of accuracy and a bit of zip off the pitch, which, which was good. I thought 
Freilink was pretty ordinary to start with, but he got better as the games went along, so probably just a bit rusty. And yeah, so it would be interesting to see how they measure up against better opposition, but they really were too good for Uganda. Looking at the bowling from Uganda, you know, they, they just weren't fast enough and they were sort of feeding those areas for the um, the Namibian batsmen to hit through the line. And uh, yeah, we saw JJ Smith uh, whacking some big ones over mid-wicket and just the effortless ability to to clear the rope or ah, yes. well, i mean he almost hit it out of the fence which was which is a huge hit massive hit. um yeah it, just the the way that he swings those arms and, and it looks so easy it, it, he didn't bowl which i thought was um also quite strange i don't know if he's carrying a bit of a niggle because he, he didn't bowl in the uh the richelieu t20 series either so I, i'm yeah i don't know what that's about so yeah overall good series for namibia i i personally would have liked to see a bit more experimentation with some of the young guys like um marissa and gapita devan Lecoq, Jan Azak de Villiers, you know, some of the under-19s guys, but overall, yeah, good outing and, uh, yeah, very entertaining cricket. So, I mean, just great to be back watching associate cricket. Yeah, I agree with you that Uganda had their moments, and I think in all three matches, well, let's say the first two at least, they really had their, their chance to, to put a big dent, at least, let's say, in the first innings of the first match, I think they probably lost it in that middle region between uh, the end of the power play and, and, and 15. I heard uh, Ronak Patel, who batted a long time for 37 balls for, for 35 runs, say that the, the pitch was slow and that was why that had happened. But I just think there was sort of a real sort of lack of impetus and sort of intelligence sort of shot choices in the, the middle of the innings. But I was really impressed with uh, Riazat Ali Shah, who's a 24-year-old guy there who came out and got 23 or 14 in that, in that first game that got him up to something respectable to 135 and he say say well it's you know we know the wanderers it's probably worth 20 or, or 30 more but then namibia were, were held to 134 for six in game two you think well that's you know uganda have already scored that on this same wicket two days prior it's a it's a real big chance for them but then when rain hit they were 65 for five, but Ali Shah hadn't batted yet. Mm. And he was the only guy to score, I think, more than 100 and, and score double figures. So I found that a little bit strange in that the chances they had. And you mentioned Uganda being a bit scrappy in the field. I, thought, I was a bit surprised with Namibia as well. But, you know, the Wanderers outfield looked a little choppy for me. I think compared to what it was like, World Cricket League Division 2, look, I know there's issues around drought and whatnot down there in that part of the world. But I just think that that may have taken away from the spectacle a little bit in terms of what we, the spectacle of what Namibia, the talent is. But then also a couple of real dolly catches as well were dropped throughout the games. And I'd say that these teams, well, it's because they haven't played cricket for a long time, but you've had the Namibian guys just come off franchise cricket and Uganda, by their own releases and and, and news conferences, have have, have been playing cricket non-stop for the last few months and, and, and feel in a great position. So... But I guess it's all well and good until you actually get out there and pull the uh, your national sh- shirt on to um, to be back in the groove again. But um, some good signs for Uganda. <laughs> Young, we can't call him Cosmo Kramer, can we? Because his name is Cosmos. Cosmas. Yeah, there for the uh, best new name I think in <laughs> in, um, in associate cricket. And he bowls well as well. Yeah, he had a tough introduction, bowled a bunch of wides and, and he really lost his radar, but he was he was looking okay after that. So I, I, he's one to keep an eye on. I, I agree. I think. Uganda's batting order, I, I don't know what was going on there. They perhaps were sticking a bit too rigidly with the 1-11 to 11 roster that they, they'd written down. I think uh, looking at someone like Frank Akinkwaza, similar to your point about Riazad Ali Shah, you know, he's uh, a big hitter and, and he goes hard early. So it was a bit strange that he didn't really face many deliveries and they kept him down at sort of 6-7 and seven when they really needed to up the run rate. So, yeah, I, I'm, that's something for Mahatlani, I think, to think about um, as, as, you know, he 
reviews the series? I guess to that point, they were five for 65 when the rain came and maybe he held him back thinking, look, if we lose a couple of weeks, that's fine. Like he can, he can come back later and he'll have enough time. Mm. But unfortunately, when the rain came, you know, they were behind on DLS and there was no chance for him to make an impact. But it just, it was probably one of those strategic decisions that backfired because of rain, rain coming into Wanderers. Yeah, and, and I saw a, a graphic from Bertus de Jong of, um, you know, the rain radar of, <laughs> of Southern Africa. And it was, you know, it was the only rain, you know, for hundreds of kilometres in any direction. But yeah, so that was, that was unfortunate. <laughs> Again, and just to kind of wrap up a few of the points there that you boys made. Uh, first, Nick, with, with Craig Williams, it's a strange one because Craig Williams, for me, 100% gets in that best 11 by merit. It'll just be really interesting to see where he actually fits when they do play in that World Cup. And there's still a couple of unanswered questions just by how Namibia have kind of prepared this series. Smith not bowling as well. Uh, I'm sure that's just to kind of keep him fresh, but it would be good to see him at, at some point, you know, limber up and bowl quick. And then to look at Uganda, there was, you know, a couple of really key performers and, and you guys mentioning Chiwuta, uh, Ruzad Ali Shah and Ronak Patel. They were probably the, the key men there. Senyondo with his left arm orthodox, I thought at times kept it relatively tight, just above um, six runs and over. And Dinesh Nakrani was, was good too. So, there were a few solid individual performances there, just not quite the kind of the, the team effort that, that is kind of needed to win at this level. And by contrast, to look at Namibia, I think a good indication of how strong they are at the moment as an associate side is by looking at the players who aren't getting a go. You know, Lorenz is, is one that we mentioned. John Bredenkamp, we don't really know what the situation is there. He hasn't been in the side Cricket World Cup League too. And yeah, there are a number of players in the in the Namibian setup who will, you know, miss out in that best 11, but it's not through a lack of ability. I think it's just the, the, the strong depth that Namibia have at the moment. Yeah, I just wonder, you know, if, if JJ Smith's not bowling, and I, did he bowl in the franchise T20 before? No. No. So that tells me that he's he's got a niggle and that's why he's not bowling because that's strange that he would not bowl in, in either. So I think, you know, you didn't even mention Zane Green there as well, another one. You know, JP Kotzer, who we all know from his heroics against Hong Kong and World Cricket League Division 2, he was keeping. But Zane Green has been a regular keeper, at least in the longer format, but in T20 cricket as well. And I think he could hold his own with the bat in the top five. I just wonder whether Craig Williams is still there because he can offer that third, fourth seamer option with his little right-hand, um, I don't know, not quite Chris Harris's because he doesn't have the the bounce, maybe more of a Ian Harvey's. Yeah. But I just wonder if that's why, you know, that's why they're trying to play him around sort of up and down the order because if JJ Smith, who as a bowler, is one of the most valuable cricketers in, I mean, sorry, as an all-rounder, well, he's bowling, is one of the most valuable cricketers in associate cricket, but maybe that's what's put it out a little bit of out, uh, out of balance because they don't have the benefit of JJ Smith's left arm overs. And correct me if I'm wrong, boys, and, and Craig Williams would, would probably admit to being a medium pace. I do seem to remember him actually bending his back and trying to bowl really quick as well. I think that's another feather in his cap too. I might not be remembering things. Yeah, no, no, no. That was, that was well, he at um, uh, World Cricket League 2, he was getting some some heat. I remember Burtis wandering over and saying, who's that bowling gas? <laughs> that's, that's right. that's a quote. It was at Wanderers, wasn't it? <laughs> I think we were together. I think I think it was Afi's Park, but yeah. It was... Yeah, maybe uh, he might have done it for that tournament just because they needed a, an extra pace option. But it's something that they've, they've got in their kit bag if they need it. Just looking there now, he bowled six overs, went for 39. So that's pretty good, six and a half. So Shikongo bowled 10, Frylink 10, Lungamini 9, and then it was, yeah, him six. 
as in the most overs bot. Yeah. So I don't know. I was just as you were talking, it's like that. I thought about that as well. Like, cause is, is Craig Williams in your best team at the moment? If JJ's, if JJ, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I was impressed with Zane Green in World, or World Cree League too. I mean, honestly, I think I think Green is an excellent keeper. And especially, I mean, if we're looking to the T20 World Cup, I'm a great believer in T20 cricket of having a good keeper because then you can have a guy who's going to maybe not bat necessarily, especially with, you know, how much firepower Namibia have. So Green potentially doesn't even need to bat, it, you know, if you want guys like Freilink coming up to, to slog a bit ahead of him because he's more of an accumulator. So you could potentially, you could be a bit flexible and have him up the order if they lose some early wickets and keep him back if the guy's going well. So I like Green as a keeper and as a bit of a flexible option where you don't necessarily have to bat him because you've got enough, you know, hitting strength with Smith and Freilink down down in the sort of 7-8 region. Just a final comment. We heard some words from Johan Muller, the Cricket Namibia CEO, discussing the possibility of Namibia travelling to Nepal for a bilateral series there. Luckily, to help with those rumours and innuendo, we'll be joined by Depeche Pandit after this, and we'll talk to him about the upcoming tri-series with the Netherlands and Malaysia. Hi, everyone. Welcome I'm Peter Saylor, captain of the Netherlands cricket team, and you're listening to the Emerging Cricket Podcast. Well, as mentioned before, Nepal is set to host the Netherlands and Malaysia for a T20 international tri-series from the 17th to the 24th of April. And joining us on the Emerging Cricket Podcast to discuss all of that and a lot more in Nepali cricket, we are joined by a special guest. Boys, the usual welcome. Ooh. Ooh. He's our correspondent in Nepal. It's a warm namaste to Depesh Pandit. Welcome to the Emerging Cricket Podcast. Hello, guys. Namaste to everyone and uh, thanks for uh, calling. Cheers. Almost by popular demand, Twitter was abuzz this week after we teased Peter Saylor's episode last week with uh, a number of Nepali fans asking, where's Depesh? And so due to popular demand, we have accommodated for all of that. But it's really exciting to have you on, Depesh, to talk about Nepali cricket. Finally, again, we've got some international games scheduled in your part of the world at the TU ground. Uh, Hugely exciting, very much the hotbed of fandom in associate cricket. What's the buzz like around in, in that part of the world with international cricket set to return? Uh, yeah, mate. Uh, it's after, you know, almost a year that uh, international series that's uh, happening here in Nepal. And uh, the buzz is uh, quite a huge. Uh, I mean, see, uh, Nepal has always been the, you know, crowd friendly and, you know, and the crowd, we all know the, you know, buzz that goes around because of these international matches here in TV International Stadium. So after an year, after, you know, uh, the ICC CWC uh, League 2, uh, we are having finally an uh, international series here in Nepal. So obviously, the buzz is uh, big and uh, uh, everyone is waiting for this uh, big international series that's coming up uh, on the home soil once again. A few places around the world have announced how they're broadcasting the event. You guys, of course, hopefully will be there in person to watch it. Quite affordable in terms of attendance and hopefully we get full crowds with COVID protocol and all of that happening as well. Paint us a picture as to how bad it kind of got in your part of the world. We know it was difficult for everyone, but what was the lockdown like and what was it like for some of your national team players who had to deal with all that while training for international cricket as well? Well, uh, COVID has hit every uh, every corner of the world, and you know, likewise, uh, Nepal was also seriously hit by COVID, and you know, players uh, we could not you know practice, um, and uh, there was no practice as you know after the uh, lockdown. Uh, we 
uh, initially you know we had a tournament called you know Gautam Buddha Cup and uh, it was a T20 uh, tournament after the lockdown and after the tournament you know as Nepal is focusing right now on the uh, one international status uh, you know retaining the ODI status we had some you know tournaments like uh, Prime Minister's Cup and uh, you know Kathmandu Mayor's Cup so you know players are getting some chances to you know play after the lockdown and you know some some COVID status I mean a situation is not that you know uh, serious right now like it, it had been uh, previously but uh, you know there are still some you know uh, dark clouds roaming uh, around uh, i can see the, those dark clouds and uh, you know uh, hopefully we can see this tournament because you know we all have been waiting for it and uh, finally uh, cricket is coming back to associate cricket as well we have seen Uganda and Namibia playing against each other so uh, it, it was quite hard in the you know those peak period but it's quite fine right now and uh, we hopefully uh, can see this tournament uh, happening here in Nepal uh, looking at, at the squads that have been named by Malaysia and the Netherlands, the Netherlands are uh, leaving a lot of their county players at home, all of them, in fact. Malaysia are announcing a pretty experienced squad. Nepal have announced a, a closed training camp in the build-up to it, not in a, an official camp. But how do you expect that team to be made up? Will we see a lot of the, the usual members of the Nepali team, or do you think that they will try and blood some of the younger players to get some experience at the international level? So, yeah... Uh, Malaysia and Netherlands, they have already announced their squad for the uh, internet, for the tour. And uh, hopefully, uh, I can expect some, you know, uh, new names on the on Nepal squad, new squad as well. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's going to be Ganendra Mullah who will captain the side for sure. And at the top order, we will have Paras Karka. And uh, with uh, Paras Karka and Ganendra Mullah, we have four new boys. I mean, not new, but, you know, we do have four options uh, for that uh, third spot at the top order and uh, these boys you know young boys Kusol Mala, uh, he has participated in the Titian league uh, recently uh, as we all know and uh, there's uh, a young talent uh, Kusol Hotel. Uh, he has not represented Nepal at the international level uh, right now he was uh, you know he had represented Nepal at a youth world cup uh, uh, last time in 2016 and uh, there's another guy uh, Asif Sheikh he has been fantastic with the opening uh, in the domestic setups and uh, Lokesh Bomb, uh, he's a young cricketer. He has just played seven matches here in uh, domestic uh, setup. Uh, I mean, so these four boys, I mean, from these four boys, will uh, have at least uh, you know one for that spot. But I personally think uh, that would be uh, Kushal Mullah because he has gained some uh, international exposure and you know uh, some uh, experience from the, uh, the likes of you know playing with uh, Chris Gale and all. At the middle orders, we have a Dipendra Singhari, the vice captain of Nepal cricket team, who will be joined by uh, probably Sandeep Zora. He has uh, six international, you know, T20 international matches. And uh, along uh, uh, Sandeep Zora, we have Arif Sheikh. I mean, Arif Sheikh, he, he was quite good uh, in between these uh, prime ministers, but hopefully he will be available for the uh, series. But uh, we do have to, you know, wait for the official announcement. At the uh, middle over, he will be joined by Bilal Vantai, the wicketkeeper batsman. Uh, he will, uh, you know, don the gloves, and uh, it's going to be Pawan Saraf. And at the tail, uh, we'll have a Karan Kashi, Shambhal Kani, and a special death over uh, specialist uh, Avinash Bohra. And of course, the man uh, Sandeep Lamisane, the poster boy of Associate Cricket for sure. And uh, yeah, uh, I probably think uh, uh, Lalit Raj Bangsi, uh, uh, you will get chance. Uh, I uh, personally think that because, you know, he has some quite experience at the international matches. 
and he's quite good with the uh, T20 domestic starts as well. So uh, these are my uh, you know expectations with the new cricket uh, you know team. So we're just um, yeah looking at that squad and and you know the training squad and some of the names in there. You you mentioned there are a few younger guys fighting for you know one or two spots in the middle order. There was some you know I've seen a bit of chat on you know Nepali cricket social media sort of making the point that maybe some of the older guys should, um, you know, they should be a bit more experimental with the team and, you know, give some of the, a few more of the younger guys a chance because, you know, there's no qualification on the line. They're not going into any major tournaments. So it's a bit bit of a chance to blood some of the youngsters, like Bez was saying, without having, uh, you know, without worrying too much about <laughs> being relegated or anything. Yeah, in the middle overs, I mean, uh, middle order of, uh, of Nepal cricket team, we have an option for, you know, a player like uh, Sandeep Jola, who has been fantastic in the domestic setup, and uh, he has not played much matches, you know, uh, in T20 format. But you know, uh, regarding uh, his uh, form, recent form in the Kathmandu Mirrors Cup and uh, Prime Minister's Cup, he was good with the bat. Uh, he bats at the you know middle order, and uh, uh, we can expect uh, Sandeep Jola in the team as well. But regarding these, you know, who you know are replacing these. Uh, senior players uh, we do have only three senior players right at the moment uh, these are obviously Paros Kotka, Ganendra Mola and Vinod Mandari so uh, Ganendra Mola he has a good form I mean uh, I, I really cannot say he has a good form but you know he has that experience and uh, on his day he can bat so well that you know he has been recently you know performing uh, in the 2019 as well and uh, I guess it's going to be Sandeep Jora at the middle orders. It's an interesting phenomenon in Nepal where I think outside of Paris Kadka, who is a, a bit of a miracle child of Nepali cricket, that sometimes the batting has been the downfall of the Nepali national team. The bowling has always been strong and looking at, at the talent that's come through, but Nepali fans would probably be the first to admit that uh, a lot of the time, even that the bowlers have, have helped out with the batting to make sure the targets have been big enough. You know, we talk about Karen KC's innings at World Cricket League 2 in 2018. I don't talk about that. An amazing <laughs> knock. Sompal Kami is another player who has come from down, you know, the lower order to help out with the bat. Can we put this batting struggle to anything in particular? I think looking from the outside, the lack of a lot of domestic cricket over a long period of time seems to not have helped the batting uh, in recent times. The PM Cup has, has come in and it's helped out things a little bit. What do you think are the issues behind the, the, the batting struggles? Because outside of, of Paris and maybe a couple other players, it's been really hard to put totals together. You know, I've gone through the past records of Nepal since 2019. And, you know, we have scored some around 40 to 45 runs at the power play at average. And, you know, during the middle overs, we were scoring around, you know, 6 to 6.5 uh, with a run rate of 6 to 6.5. That sums up to around 100, uh, around 90 to 100 runs till 16th over. But why I, what I personally think is, you know, that death overs, we have not been able to capitalize. And, you know, Nepal needs that finish at the death. We need to see uh, our finishers stepping up at the death overs and, you know, finishing the inning in a better way that, you know, we can... Uh, at least expect some good runs to, you know, defend the target. I mean, Nepal always had, you know, better with the ball, you know, and uh, it's all about finishing uh, at the death overs. I I personally uh, think about that. 
So you, you're talking about finishers there, and you know they've they've gone through a few sort of guys down that lower middle order, and none of them have really stuck around. We saw um, in the tri series, Kushal Mala, who you mentioned, you know he he made his debut and and made a fifty and looked very impressive early on in his career. Do you think he can be that guy down the order to to pump up the run rate towards the end? No, I personally think that you know Kushal Mala has to bat uh, of the order because you know he's a better known for you know he's a a top order batting, but it was a one international game that you know he was a step down the order. I personally prefer Kusal Mala at the top, but you know at the middle middle overs, lower middle overs. Let me say, uh, it's not going to be Kusal Mala, but you know there's we have a foreign a Pawan Saraf. Uh, he has been fantastic with the bat. He can ball, you know he can produce some quick wickets, you know important wickets at the middle overs as well. That adds as extra option for the uh, spin depart as well. So I personally would prefer for Pawan Saraf at the lower middle order. And you know, on his day, he has shown recently as well. You know, smashing uh, fastest 50 in Nepal's domestic circuit as well on you know 13 balls 50. And uh, I really think that you know Pawan Saraf can be the X X factor uh, in the uh, upcoming tri series as well. One to look out for. Um, so just on on that, you mentioned the domestic setup in Nepal, and you know we see there's been a few competitions on over the <laughs> the coronavirus layoff, I guess you could call it, and you know we've seen a number of players come through the under 19s side who've who've been quite exciting, but there there just seems to be a bit of a bottleneck at the top in terms of the national team, and a lot of players kind of come up through the system, but then they fade away again. They don't, and you know a lot of the time it's just the same guys on the team sheet. So what's the you know what What's holding back the domestic scene in Nepal? Is is it structural or, or is the level not good enough or are the facility? Like, what do you think is going on? Yeah, actually, uh, what Nepal needs right now is a Nepal A team. I mean, uh, the uh, mm. primary team that uh, that Nepal A, that will be, you know, a uh, bridge between this national uh, team and uh, under-19 team. Yeah. That's what actually we are lagging right now. And regarding the domestic structure, we do have uh, various tournaments here in Nepal, but, you know, that need to come under a system. And, you know, tournaments like, you know, Gautam Buddha Cup, Mayor's Cup, and, you know, Prime Minister's Cup, there are several tournaments that are lined up. Not only the uh, senior tournaments, but also under-19 tournaments that are that, that are upcoming uh, here in Nepal as well. But, you know, what we actually need right now is those players who, you know, they are capable of showing performances, but they are not, uh, you know, uh, showing at that instance those uh, crucial performances. They can be placed under, you know, Nepal A and they can be, you know, uh, exposed to various teams. They can be, you know, sent for different tours, foreign tours as well. So I personally would prefer Nepal A, and I hopeful, I am really hopeful that you know, Cricket Association of Nepal, they are also planning for this Nepal A team right now. So you don't see the the under 19s providing that pipeline of, of players at the moment. Are you, are you really thinking that Nepal need needs those sort of those older players that have are getting that experience at that level? No, of course, Under-19 has, you know, provided a base strength to Nepal right now. But, you know, there are also some, you know, talented cricketers, you know, senior cricketers who have not been able to perform uh, on certain instances. They can be placed uh, to, uh, you know, Nepal A team and they can be, they can participate in various tournaments, you know, uh, not only to, you know, domestic setup, but also to international. They can gain some international exposure as well. Uh, and uh, obviously, you know, Nepal uh, Under-19, that has given a certain uh, 
base strength to Nepal, but you know Nepal A would be perfect at the moment because there are numbers of players, and you know the pool of the players have also been increased right, uh, at the moment, and uh, that would be much better, I guess. Just as we're talking about that pipeline of talent, I want to take a step back for the benefit of our our listeners that might not know much about Nepal. Can you give a bit of background about the domestic setup? At the moment, you know, we all know about Cricket Association of Nepal being suspended, then reinstated or to a limited basis, as we know, with the money going through ICC approval, etc. But, you know, we hear about how mad fans are in Nepal, 20,000 people into the TU ground. But can you talk about the domestic structure that sits behind this fanaticism for the game of cricket? Yeah, speaking about the domestic setup here in Nepal, you know, when CAN was, you know, Cricket Association of Nepal, when it was suspended, we had, you know, three major franchise leagues here in Nepal. They were running throughout the year, you know, uh, three tournaments uh, once a year. And, you know, they somehow, uh, they had given those, you know, uh, uh, crucial matches or exposure for the domestic boys. But, you know, it, it has to be after the reinstatement of the CAN, uh, you know, CAN has to publish a calendar at least and, you know, uh, bring those uh, uh, tournaments under uh, under a setup. And, you know, not only T20, T20, Nepal has focused much on uh, T20 cricket when the Cricket Association of Nepal was suspended. Though there were tournaments like, you know, PM Cup, it was being held. Uh, there were tournaments like, you know, Monmohan Cup, they were being held in Nepal. But, you know, we do not have a proper structure, you know, to, you know, engage uh, cricketers throughout the year. And, you know, uh, there are, uh, yeah, I, I do agree on this that, you know, Nepal has some uh, important uh, tournaments here in Nepal, but they need to, you know, at least uh, come under a system and as most, you know, not only the senior, but also we do have tournaments here in Nepal that, you know, uh, even women cricketers are getting some exposure right now and under 19, it's been lined up. So I am really hopeful that, you know, Cricket Association of Nepal is doing uh, doing uh, on their part. And, you know, there are important tournaments that are being lined up under the domestic structure as well. Yeah, it's always been a problem of Nepal's where at under-19 international level, the talent has always been there. The team has always achieved. But then the next problem has always been moving into the men's ranks. And as you've pointed out, the, the structural issues of Nepali men's and women's senior domestic cricket makes it quite difficult for those guys to, to keep going, to blood their talent and, and to eventually go on to international play. And the other issue with that is that there's only really been one international stadium. But there are some promising signs with the Gautam Buddha uh, stadium complex being discussed the foundation that the two comedians of nepal came up with to help fund that as well which is a pretty fascinating story in itself uh how's that traveling and what will the, the addition of another international standard ground how will that help in in nepali development because i feel like just one ground makes it tricky for a lot of the players to to develop their skills when they're only really playing on on one surface instead of multiple well, speaking about the cricket stadiums here in Nepal, we only have Tribune International Stadium, you know, for uh, international matches. And uh, we had, a, you know, previous, uh, previously we used uh, to, uh, grounds like uh, Pulchok Engineering Campus Ground. And, you know, we had some cricket grounds in Pokhara, and, uh, which is one of the most beautiful uh, cricket grounds available here in Nepal. And, you know, not only Pokhara, we have uh, Papla, uh, which was initiated as a dream project, a dream Papla as well. 
but you know right now there's a new stadium uh, you know which has been uh, whose construction has been ongoing and uh, it, it's actually initiated by the Pomeranian duo and uh, uh, what Nepal actually needs to you know focus on right now is not only the cricket's uh, you know uh, internal development but also infrastructural developments as we march forward to the you know full member status uh, right now nepal has been focusing on a uh, one uh, written to one status but at the moment we need to focus on the uh, full full membership as well and for that we need uh, better infrastructures as well uh, along with the better performances uh, the national team so i i am very hopeful that you know it's quite a you know challenge to uh, you know construct gautam buddha international stadium by the crowdfunding and you know the comedian duo they have been traveling all around nepal for crowdfunding uh, programs and you know it has major challenges of you know there's still a uh, 3 billion uh, that has to be raised for the you know stadium that's rupees yeah nepal's rupees yeah okay cool So yeah there's a problem with you know with the finances and you know there's still a large number of you know amount to be raised through the crowdfunding the you know foundation they are not actually you know aware about the uh, amount that will be handled by the government and they have not shown any promises to the foundation right now and we, there there are some challenges to be you know uh, tackled by the foundation so i am uh, hopeful quite hopeful that you know we get to see this cricket uh, uh, stadium being you know constructed within uh, one and a half to two years and uh, as promised by the foundation uh, as i talked uh, to the uh, co-founder of the final foundation uh, previously uh, he has promised that you know within uh, one or one and a half year uh, we will get to see some international matches being played at the godamudey uh, international stadium as well so there are things to be hopeful about uh, the stadium so it's quite tricky but yeah very hopeful about this stadium you uh, mentioned the the magic word or the magic status <laughs> f- full membership there as you were talking about hopes and dreams of cricket association of nepal it's interesting isn't it? the last few months we've had nigeria say that they want to be full member you know that's in their strategy with usa scotland and 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 netherlands but part of the criteria the performance criteria is a high performing women's team that has has made like it's two world cups isn't it and and have beaten at least um or one or two full members in that what is happening on the women's cricket side you know we've read your pieces about the bruhaha shall we say about the disparity in contract value between men and women and and whether or not that had been rectified yet but what what's happening with women's cricket at the moment in Nepal Uh, well uh, there's a tournament being held right now after the prime minister's cup that was held previously it's a kali premier's cup and we're talking about the women cricket here in nepal uh, yeah we have a very good potential from women cricket as well you know we have performed well in the past uh, since 2007 and uh, there are some disparities between the you know uh, salaries of a men's cricketer and women cricketer here in Nepal and on the other side uh, we have uh, anfa which is called you know uh, all nepal football association that has recently you know recently initiated and you know equal pay for both men and women footballers wow. and you know that can be uh, if wanted you know if uh, wished by the association that can be done uh, it has uh, you know shown by the all nepal football association as well and you know the exposure uh, you know might that be an issue with the exposure that has been you know recently told by the association but you know it's the first time that you know peers are under the contract of you know uh, association after 13 years but uh, there are things to be hopeful in the future but right now 
yeah, there's some disparity between the salaries of men's and women's cricket team. So football in Nepal or soccer, football's the number one sport, would you say, in, in Nepal? Uh, no, football was a number one sport previously, but now, right now I would say that, you know, cricket is the number one here in Nepal. Wow. That's all we'd like to hear. Yeah, well, you know, you kind of you ruined my follow-up question there because I was about to say how great it is that the number one sport of Nepal was having equal pay across their men's and women's national teams, and and it's not, it's it's cricket. But I don't know. Do, do you think Nepal missed a trick here from a cricketing point of view of of having equal pay for the men and women? Yeah, I personally think that you know Nepal missed that uh, important trick that you know had we initiated an equal pay uh, from you know from Nepal. Uh, Nepal would be, you know, uh, the team to to look up to, you know, from all the associates' uh, point of view. Not only the associates, but also, but also from the bigger test nations. Uh, there are disparity between the yeah, a lot of full members. Yeah, from the full members as well. Uh, there are dis- disparities in the full members as well. If Nepal had initiated that, you know, uh, equal pay for you know both men and women cricketers, Nepal could be that, uh, you know, that team. So Nepal really missed a trick here. Do you think that sort of shows the attitude towards women's cricket in Nepal, or at least from the um, governance side of things? Because, you know, I think back to the uh, women's qualifiers in 2019, where Nepal came second, you know, they, they almost qualified. They obviously, Thailand were, were too good, but, you know, they got home from the airport and there was, you know, there was no one there to greet them. And whereas, you know, the men, when they came home with um, ODI status, they got a hero's welcome at the airport. And so, do, do you think there is... The perception, at least in Nepal, that the, the women's cricket is still sort of the second-class citizens. Uh, well, speaking about women cricket, I mean, uh, women cricket is quite, you know, seen differently here in Nepal because, you know, although the uh, women cricketers, those are, you know, uh, the ones to, you know, really struggle to play cricket here in Nepal because, you know, uh, our societies are not that developed to, you know go freely to uh, pursue career in sports and you know there are some serious issues that you know it's quite difficult to pursue a career in sport and you know uh, leaving everything behind and at least uh, what we are you know very thankful to our women cricketers uh, is actually at least they have taken this step and you know they are playing for uh, our country and uh, uh, the governmental side and also the association they really need to take care of these uh, women cricketers because you know women cricketers they have produced some good results uh, might that be that you know we have not qualified to the uh, higher level but you know we were we were quite unfortunate that you know, we had we could make that and you know, we have a potential there's no doubt about it and uh, uh, yeah, there are disparities in different uh, 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 different uh, compositions as well. I mean, uh, different facilities. You know, the salary that there's is there, and then all those uh, you know facilities. You know, if uh, boys, you know, men's cricketers are uh, played here in uh, you know TU Stadium, the Prime Minister's Cup that was held uh, in very far from the nation's capital. But uh, what was positive in the Prime Minister's Cup that was held, you know, previously was, you know, a number of crowd gathered, you know, to watch women's cricket as well. So the social media, it was, you know, it was a big attention in the social media as well. And, you know, women cricketers are receiving some, you know, uh, they are being welcomed by the, you know, spectators and cricket fans as well. So there's a good sign that, you know, women cricketers can they can be upgraded into a better team of providing, you know, those better uh, facilities and, you know, 
I I am personally you know positive that you know cricket association of Nepal the way they are treating uh, uh, women cricketers uh, recently they are getting uh, important tournaments uh, right now and I am quite positive that you know they will um, do something for you know women cricketer, uh, cricketers as well. So Depesh, there's been a little bit of talk from Namibia actually and from the the CEO of Cricket Namibia via their live streams in the action that they have against Uganda at the moment and they've at least hinted at the idea of of traveling to Nepal for potentially some international cricket there we haven't heard anything official and at your end has there been any official word from from anyone have you heard anything in regards to that because we know ourselves that Cricket World Cup League 2 and events held by the ICC and run by the ICC they've been pushed back to past July where these events these matches are being penciled in for a little bit earlier than that. Have you heard anything from from your side? Yeah, I have heard something about you know the international series that is going to be uh, lined up after the tri series uh, that is um, Malaysia Netherlands. And uh, yeah, I have heard that you know Cricket Association of Nepal is planning to you know play some uh, one day international and T uh, Twenty international matches here in Nepal. With uh, it might not be uh, uh, true unless uh, they officially announce it. But you know I have heard that you know they are planning for two African teams. So uh, can't really say uh, you know of, as. They have not uh, announced it officially, but yeah, I, I do have a heard about the rumors. It'll be a fascinating series if we do get to see it. Uh, as we said, two Cricket World Cup League two sides who are very much in the in the thick of the action there. Two good sides to watch and two good sides on, on paper as well. So I think, you know, all of us here would, would, would want it to go ahead. It's just a case of it being possible. I, I do find it a little bit strange though. You know, we've, we've seen Uganda travel to Namibia for a T20 and 50 over series. That's within continent and that's across leagues. To have two teams in the Cricket World Cup League two that have had series postponed, surely if they can be getting there for a series they should be looking at playing a cricket world cup league two series do you not think or am i i know that they namibia were going to be traveling to nepal at least once during world cup league two i, I find it you know, it's great that that they're, they're trying to play but I, I just would have thought that you know priority number one was trying to get these leagues in because if they're squeezing in the and i know that they've postponed them and they've done that for the right reasons but if that then gets filled up with bilateral games and then we get to a point where there's not enough time left to play cricket it's going to be an interesting situation if we go to percentage of wins and people start talking about oh well it wasn't fair because we didn't play enough games at home or you know too many away from home whatever i don't know i just i think if we're getting to the point now where teams are able to look at this and, and maybe there's a financial aspect to this maybe it's because touring Nepal it's almost like the associate version maybe these days of, of having India tour <laughs> in that it's the, the one of the few if only associates that can actually generate commercial income from from having a series and and maybe that's why countries now are really keen to do it and especially in a bilateral sense because those rights belong a hundred percent to the cricket association of, of Nepal whereas if it's cricket World Cup League two, those rights have now been sold, sold off, and and, and commercialised. So it, you know that the countries taking part can't benefit from that. Well, you know, don't benefit from that. From a, you know, they will ultimately with the money coming back into the ICC, of course. But yeah, it's just it's an interesting situation that you know I, I, n- I never thought we'd be considering a bilateral series of being a threat to the uh, to the global leagues in associate cricket. Yeah, and the other thing is too, just looking at the calendar for Cricket World Cup League two. 
Nepal's home series uh, that did include Namibia uh, was slated for February 2023 with Scotland. So, Kyle Kutzer, if you're listening to this pod, which we know you are as uh, a huge fan of the Emerging <laughs> Podcast, uh, you guys might want to rally the troops and, and get over there because if they, if they want to play this now, it, it might actually help the, the schedule down the road. I know that's not you know necessarily how it works, but... I appreciate and I respect the endeavor that, you know, these countries are going to to try and put on international cricket, just hoping that everything is is safe to do so and and no one is doing it, not against their will, but, you know, with all the difficulties, just making sure that that with all the difficulties, it it is worth it because I'm sure that the ICC are taking, you know, their medical advice that they get very seriously and for them to... To set a precedent by saying, you know what, we're not having any Cricket World Cup League 2 action until this date, you would think that a lot of the other countries would simply follow suit. So I'm hoping, and just to try and tie a bow in all of this, I'm hoping that, you know, the countries that are endeavouring to have these series, not only this series, uh, potential series that we're talking about, but the Netherlands, Nepal, Malaysia series, I'm hoping that that's all done with with everyone's best interests in mind and with with all the the health guidelines and and, and all of that um, respected and and obeyed because you know as much as we want to see international cricket, if it's not done in a, in a safe manner, then it, it's quite frankly not worth it. Well, and I mean, hopefully, you know, potentially this this tri series with Nepal, Malaysia, and the Netherlands, um, you know, that's two touring teams coming from very different parts of the world. So, uh, you know, maybe if if that series goes well, the ICC can sort of look at it as a bit of a you know proof of concept and say, well, actually, it is possible to be sending teams around the world and, and trying to get through that backlog of you know Challenge League and World Cup League Two fixtures that they've they've postponed. So to bring it back to the tri-series that is coming up, Nepal, the Netherlands, and Malaysia. Depesh, we'd like to get your prediction on how the series is going to go. We gave our predictions last week. These teams feature in three different levels of one-day cricket. But in terms of T20 cricket, there seems to be a little bit more parity between the three teams. We've seen Malaysia beat Nepal previously. There's every chance that they will compete against the Netherlands as well. Uh, What's your prediction? And considering we haven't got an official squad as yet from Nepal, what do you think the most likely uh, 11 will be for the Nepali team? Uh, Well, my predicted 11 will be uh, Ganendra Mulla, Paras Khadka, Kushal Mulla, uh, Dipender Singh Singhari on the fourth, Sandeep Jora, Binod Gondari as a wicket keeper, as a wicket keeper, Owen Sarab, Sompal Kami, Karan Keshi, Sandeep Lamichane, and Avinash Gohara. This will be my uh, 11. And uh, on my reserves, I will have uh, Lokesh Bum, uh, Arif Sheikh, and uh, Sahab Alam. So this will, uh, this is my this is my predicted uh, 14. And uh, talking about the you know um, matches here in Q Stadium. It's quite tricky here in TU right now because, you know, there are, we can see some good runs that are being made. Uh, you know, TU is actually known for his, uh, you know, spinning uh, wickets and, you know, that would favor the spinners. But, you know, this time we can see a good run in a TU stadium because the pitch curators, they are really working hard on this uh, TU pitch. And, you know, we can see some runs uh, that are that have been you know, scored by the women cricket team here in Kakundu Mears Cup as well. 
and uh, and similarly we had uh, some good runs in the uh, previous Kathmandu Mayors Cup played by the boys of course so it will be quite tricky situation here and uh, since we have you know beaten uh, uh, Netherlands twice and you know uh, even Malaysia has beaten uh, have beaten us and uh, it will be uh, quite a cracker to you know watch this uh, series in Nepal my, my personal guess I guess um, all right my uh, predictions will be, of course, Nepal on the top, <laughs> Netherlands and Malaysia. <laughs> he says it with a grin as well. <laughs> we heard Pete Saylor talk about the pitch, or at least what they'd seen of the, the pitch. Um, how is it playing at the moment? Because, again, you know, the, as the seasons come and go, I think the TU wicket can um, can change as well with, you know, multiple personalities. How do you think it will play? Yeah, TUP is actually known for, you know, the spinners. It would favor the spinners. But, you know, uh, right now it's behaving, uh, you know, so good for the batsmen as well. And, you know, we have seen good runs that are being scored in the TU uh, cricket uh, ground right at the moment. And, you know, it's going to be really tricky for, you know, the visitors because they are quite unaware of the situation here in Nepal. And, you know, Netherlands, they are uh, touring, I guess, it's the first time, you know, the tour to Nepal and similarly Malaysia, they are also quite unaware about the TUPs. You know, they can analyze from the, um, you know, as a visitor's perspective, but, you know, it's going to be really tricky here in Nepal. And Peter Schiller, I had listened to your podcast previously and if you are listening to me right now, I'm a big fan of Netherlands cricket for sure and, you know, I would love to have a jersey uh, signed by you. <laughs> if that would be possible in Nepal, I would love to <laughs> You got to shoot your shot. I love that. That I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> As mentioned before, the T20 International Tri Series between Nepal, Malaysia, and the Netherlands will be on from April 17 to April 24. And I don't think we've ever said this on the podcast previously, boys. But make sure to check your local TV guides and streaming guides around the world. Mm. The uh, tournament is being taken by different people in different parts of the world with the uh, the rights being sold out and around by the guys over there in Nepal. But yeah, wherever you are around the world, I'm sure you'll be able to tune in and watch. We're very much looking forward to some high-octane T20 International Tri-Series Cricket. And Dipesh Pandit, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the Emerging Cricket Podcast. And Again, thank you so much for being a part of the Emerging Cricket community as well as our Nepali correspondent. My pleasure, mate. And it's a really wonderful feeling to be a part of Emerging Cricket because that's all our passion that drives us. And it's really good to be a part of Emerging Cricket. And thanks for inviting me on this podcast as well. So cheers. A huge thank you again to Tepesh Pandit for joining us on the Emerging Cricket Podcast. To keep up with news and events from the game's new world, make sure to follow Emerging Cricket on our various social media platforms and EmergingCricket.com. On behalf of Nick Skinner, Tim Culler, and myself, Daniel Beswick, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.